You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 103. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. In our Your Stock Our Take segment, we look at two very different but equally topical stocks. The first company is one of the big five Canadian banks, the Bank of Nova Scotia, BNS on the TSX, which reported its Q2 2020 earnings this week. Scotiabank, whose shares have dropped significantly year-to-date, along with Canada's other big banks, saw quarterly earnings plunge 41% after the lender set aside record amounts for loan losses, giving investors their first indication of how COVID-19 pandemic will affect fiscal second quarter results at Canadian banks. We give our take on the stock and the segment following the earnings numbers. The second stock is a high-growth leading gaming live streaming platform in China called Huhua, symbol H-U-Y-A on the New York Stock Exchange. The company cooperates with esports event organizers as well as major game developers and publishers and has developed esports live streaming as one of the most popular content genres on its platform. So let's get right into the show today. I'd like to welcome uh, Mr. Aaron Dunn and Brennan, uh, my co-host today. How are you guys doing? I'm good. It's, I'm doing good. Good. Good, good to, to hear. be here talking to you guys again. Yeah, for sure. We're going to look quickly. Uh, we're one week away from our Crisis Portfolio Building Webinars 2.0 on June 2nd is the first one at 7 p.m. Pacific. Then we got June 9th. Uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and June 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We'd love to see any of the listeners uh, attend those events. What we'll be talking about at those events, let's get into that. There'll be new topics, new stocks to look at, but at its core, the live webinar will show you how to take action during a crisis and start the simple process of building a 15 to 25 stock portfolio designed to enrich you and your portfolio, not your advisor. New topics will include, we'll explore how the current crisis could be a tipping point for technological change in areas such as work from home, cloud computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, the internet of things, and more. We're going to examine how in an environment when the 10-year bonds in Canada are paying a paltry half a percent, how high quality dividend growth stocks, many yielding over 5.5%, and I think that's the average yield right now in our Canadian income stock portfolio, the hybrid portfolio. These are your most powerful tool right now. Our webinar will also go into some specific opportunities in healthcare, U.S. tech, gold, and alternative energy, and we'll give you some bonus content on how to deal with any hot stock tip and immediately classify it as either speculation or investment worthy. Now, 
I'll give you one last incentive for attending. Now we recommended six stocks at Keystone Spring Seminars just a month and a half ago. All of them have produced significant gains already with one of the stocks, Photon Control, symbol PHO in the TSX, jumping over 85% since that recommendation in the crisis, all backed by record earnings. So we'll also give you five new stocks, which you can buy in your portfolio today. So attend also just if you wanna become a better investor. And build your portfolio in a different way than the big bank advisors will tell you to. A really simple approach, completely different, but a winning strategy long-term. Any further comments on the, are you guys excited about the upcoming seminars? I know I'm I am. always excited about an upcoming seminar because it's, I mean, it's always different and it just always gives you a chance. I've, what, what, the way I see these seminars working is that what we're doing at Keystone is we have 20 years of experience researching and recommending companies successfully. We've been through two major crises and we essentially boil down the main principles of what we have learned over those 20 plus years and teach those to people who come to the seminar so that they're able to um, deploy them in a very practical way, in a way that will help them um, build their portfolios over the next six to, to 12 months. And you know, every time we do one of these things, we change up the content a little bit. There's potential for for different different companies. But I think that right now especially, I mean, this is uh, this is a situation that we're in right now where there's there's unprecedented uncertainty. And there's certain industries that will take years to recover if they ever recover. Um, but there's other industries and other companies that are actually benefiting and where the trends that have been helping them in the past are accelerating. So there are opportunities in this market. And, and essentially what we're doing is we're, we're teaching people how we go about separating the, those good opportunities from, from the bad ideas. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about pockets of strength and areas that are benefiting. Um you know, one of the areas is healthcare. Our top healthcare related stock is now up 85, almost 90% since COVID-19 struck. And that was our top rated stock going into the year in that segment and our top rated stock all the way through the, the segment. So, I mean, our clients have owned that company for two years uh, plus and gained, you know, 200 plus percent on the company right now. There are pockets of strength, areas where you can position your portfolio uh, to outperform significantly. And uh, that's what we'll be talking about in this seminar. And we look forward to doing it. You know, we love getting in front of people uh, in person, you know, in our seminar city tours that we do often, but we can't do that right now. But we can get in front of you in your home, uh, live on video via these streaming events and uh, they really worked well we sold out the last events or we expect to sell out these so i encourage you to you know any of our listeners out there come in and uh, grab a ticket and uh, watch that event so let's get into the cannabis sector we just wanted to touch on this it's uh, been topical of late um, again in canada it seems to always be but uh, we note that over the past 12 to 18 months, uh, this segment shares in this sector uh, have been decimated, particularly in Canada. Uh, you look at bankruptcies coming on now, companies such as Can Trust Holdings, James E. Wagner Cultivation are among seven pot companies that have filed now for creditor protection or signaling they would be undergoing restructurings this year. There's another five companies that have filed for pre creditor uh, protection last year. 
Now, this year they are blaming COVID-19. We say this is a poor excuse. These businesses, in many cases, were never profitable. And the way they constructed, they had no hope of profitability given the overbuild and the poor rollout in the Canadian industry. Uh, We have been saying this for two years. This is not us going back hindsight uh, and, and, you know, having a retrospective look at the segment. When we did our first cannabis report, looked at the 119 plus companies that were in the segment at that time over two years ago, we couldn't make a single recommendation based on our fundamental criteria for profitability. Now, over the past year, we again did another report in that segment and we came out with one more, you know, more of a strong buy in that segment. And, uh, you know, we're happy to report that that one company of the 210 companies in that report has actually produced gains over the past 12 to 18 months, as opposed to 95% of the companies that have seen their share price drop, drop, and not just, you know, off 10%, many off dramatically. Like you look at the uh, one company that we've literally talked about three times, had it as a dog on the show, the Green Organic Dutchman. This company traded at $7 at legalization, having a billion dollar market cap at the time, has collapsed to 50 cents. Uh, Every time we reviewed it, we called it completely uninvestable. And we're not surprised, frankly, to see the share price collapse as it has. So, I mean, that one company that we recommended in this segment over the past two years uh, is dominating one market in Florida and, uh, you know, has had tremendous gains uh, relative to the sector and just gains in the market in a down period. And that company is truly the symbol is T-R-U-L, trades on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Uh, why has it outperformed? Well, it's one of the only companies that we came across that has some profitability. We still see this company as significantly higher risk than most companies in our coverage. Uh, The segment is fraught with uh, uncertainty and a number of issues. It's it's in its infancy, really, right now, still in its infancy. So we consider it higher risk. But if you're, you know, looking at that segment, this is one company that our clients have already made money on over the past year in a time when you've seen that sector, particularly in Canada, just decimated. It just shows you profitability is king in investing over the long term. And adhering to that strategy, I mean, that's the when 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 you're in the middle of one of these one of these bubbles, you you know, it's 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 easy to it's easy for people to make excuses and say like, okay, well, they're not profitable right now, but they're going to be in the future. Well, they don't have any revenue right now, but they have these huge plans to build facilities and and, and generate big revenue. Um, it's it's easy to make excuses, but you know the the bottom line is that if you're investing in a company that is not generating profitability, then you know it's really hard to argue that you're actually investing. We would just say that you're speculating, and that's just not a real investment. Um, and people just uh, when they're when they get emotionally tied up in these bubbles, it's it's easy to see how they just ignore you know the raw data and the raw facts. One of the things. That we that we really highlighted in both of our cannabis reports was the supply demand imbalance, and that's 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 one of the reasons why here in Canada we're very cautious on companies, um, even outside of the fact that nothing was profitable at the time. Um, the the top ten companies had plans to ramp up their production to um, several times what the domestic consumption was in Canada, and that was just the top ten companies in the Canadian market. So there is just there is just a major 
uh, disconnect with respect to, you know, the reality of what the consumption was going to be, what the demand was going to be, and the expectation of these companies and the investors of how much they could grow their production. There was, there was a complete disconnect. And, you you know, what we do is, is we adhere to the strategy. We say, you know, under no circumstances are we going to speculate on companies that haven't proven profitability. And we said that often what happens in these bubbles is that um, once they deflate, everything goes down and there's one or two really quality companies um, where the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater and they go down with the rest of the market and you actually have an opportunity. And that's what we saw when we put out the second report um, in uh, in True Leave. So yeah, I, I mean, it's it's really, it's it's simple. Cash is, cash flow is is king. You know, you, you need to follow the cash flow when you're looking at a business. Yeah, and, and you look at the biggest names, the Aurora's, the Canopy growth. Uh, Aurora, just news out on the company, the Edmonton-based producer, uh, like, like they they come out with a, a loss uh, for the last quarter, 137 million. Of course, on the bright side, this was a huge improvement from the 1.3 billion that they had lost over the prior three months. But uh, you know, revenues were up. You know, the revenue growth seems fine, 35 percent revenue growth. But you know, they they had 75 million roughly in uh, revenue in the last quarter. Well, despite this stock being off. 86% from where it traded uh, just over a year ago, it still has about a $2.3 billion market cap. So while there's significant revenue growth here, it's only $76 million in revenue in a quarter. It's a $2.3 billion market cap. It's still not cheap. And without profitability right now, it still remains uninvestable from our perspective. So you're seeing an 86% drop. Like this company has consolidated shares 12 for one, destroying investor capital. Um, it, there's, it's debt heavy, relatively speaking. And, you know, post split, it was trading just over a year ago at $146. It's $21 today. Despite that drop, we would not consider it, if we looked at it today with fresh eyes, cheap. So, you know, it, there's no profitability in the business. They've been missing their profitability targets. You know, when they start hitting profitability, potentially we can look at it then. And there's a couple of names we are monitoring in Canada that we, you know, see some potential long term. But until you can see some good solid cash flow in this segment, uh, it's just uninvestable. Outside of a few, a couple select companies that we're looking at in the U.S. market, where we have seen some uh, profitability and some better growth, and companies actually hitting their targets. So that's the cannabis wrap for this week, really. Um, you know, we, we we tread very lightly in this segment, but people always ask us questions, so we wanna, you know, we really wanna we wanna touch on it relatively frequently, just so we can uh, get our opinions out there and show you why we look at profitability as king in terms of your investing process. Now let's first uh, have Aaron take a look at one of the big five banks, the Bank of Nova Scotia Inc. Uh, BNS on the TSX, which reported its Q2 earnings this week. Aaron, great, yes. Um, Bank of Nova Scotia, Scotia Bank had a nice move today, up over seven percent uh, with the release of its uh, financial results, quarterly results. The adjusted earnings per share were actually down significantly, about forty-three percent in the quarter to a dollar four. And this lower profit was due to slightly lower non-interest revenue and a big increase in the loan loss allowances. 
the CEO said on the conference call that they expected it to take many quarters to, to pick up the pieces. Um, clearly, the market was expecting lower earnings from the bank. The stock price is up today because the earnings of 104 did beat analyst estimates who were expecting um, the consensus, consensus estimate being 98 cents. So I get a lot of questions about the big banks and whether they will be able to maintain their dividends. I think Canadian banks are generally well positioned right now due to the regulatory structure of the sector here in Canada. But there's still a lot, of, a lot of uncertainty in virtually every industry, and banks are no exception. Scotiabank today pays a yield of almost 7%. This is actually slightly higher than where the yield was at the height of the financial crisis in 2008-2009, when the company's stock price hit a low of about $29 per share and paid a dividend of $1.96 annualized. This should indicate that, that Scotiabank's valuation is very cheap right now. Generally speaking, unless there is a massive hit to the financial market, we would consider the company's dividend to be relatively sustainable. However, a note of caution on BNS is that they have been one of the worst performers of the big six Canadian banks. The stock price does seem to have been hit the hardest amongst the, amongst the big six banks since the start of the pandemic. And it's right now, it's trading close to where the price was 10 years ago. Most of the other big banks have fared generally better. For example, Royal Bank, which is the largest of the Canadian banks, is down 19% since the crisis started. And TD, is the, being the second largest bank, is down 21%. Both of these banks currently pay yields of a little over 5% today. But those yields did not get that high during the financial crisis of 2008. Uh, they, they hit a maximum level of about 6.5%. One of the reasons that, that Scotiabank is being beat on more than the other banks is because they have international diversification in areas where there's more uncertainty, namely Latin America. Um, on a pure valuation basis, Scotiabank has a, with a price to earnings ratio of about seven and yielding about 6.9% looks like an attractive long-term opportunity. This may be the case, but I would still prefer to stick with one of the other big banks that have been performing better. They're still quite attractively valued with price to earnings ratios uh, under 10 times and yields of over 5%. But I would consider any, any investment into the banks to be a long-term investment, not something that you'd be expecting a big return on in the next six months. I would look at it with a minimum time horizon of five plus years. Yeah, I think that's an excellent summary. Um, we've been getting, like Aaron said, I believe uh, many questions on the big banks. So we wanted to provide a little bit of a summary or commentary on one of them, the first to issue out the uh, their quarterly results, and uh, we'll continue to monitor them. We do have a top uh, buy in that segment right now, a company that uh, we favor uh, in that segment, but you got to be a client to find out that company. Now, I'm going to shift to Brennan, and he's going to talk about Huya on the Ooh, New York yeah. Stock Exchange. Take that over. Who? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's how we pronounce it, right? I, I mean, do we really even know? I'm not sure. I think it's who? Yeah. We don't even really know, to be honest. But no, uh, but yeah, we'll go with who? Yeah. Um, so yes, it trades on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, it is an ADS, um, which I believe is an American depository share. Uh, its current price right now is $16.36, and it has a market cap of $3.59 billion. So Huya is a live streaming gaming platform in China, like Ryan said earlier. The company 
cooperates with esports event organizers as well as major game developers and publishers and have uh, developed esports live streaming as one of the most popular content genres on its platform. Um, But the company has also extended its content to other entertainment genres such as talent shows, anime and outdoor activities. So the share price has been on a downward trend since mid-2019 from where it traded around $26. Uh, And the company has been growing quite rapidly uh, as it is one of the main live streaming gaming competitors in China with Duya. So I know that's kind of funny. Huya and Duya, their main competitors. Um, And then looking globally, Huya's biggest global competitors are Amazon's Twitch and Facebook streaming. Facebook has recently entered the game here. Um, But it should be noted that Twitch and Facebook are actually banned from operating in China. And since I'm slightly brushing on the topic of political risk, in recent days, U.S. lawmakers, government agencies, and stock exchanges have taken steps aimed at limiting Beijing's access to America's vast capital markets, with the U.S. Senate unanimously passing a bill that would prevent companies that refuse to open their books from listing on the on Wall Street. Uh, the bill's goal is to kick deceitful Chinese companies off U.S. exchanges. Uh, and of course, after this announcement, most Chinese stocks did see uh, their share price uh, slide. So the company just recently announced its Q1 financial results on May 20th. So looking at these results, uh, revenue was up 40% to $340.6 million compared to the same quarter last year. But sequentially, revenue actually decreased by around 4%, which was the first sequential decline in over nine consecutive quarters. So we do know that revenue growth is actually decelerating. Huya's adjusted earnings came in at $37.2 million, which is a big increase uh, of around 90% compared to the same quarter last year. Looking at their balance sheet, the company is certainly cash rich with a net cash position of $1.44 billion or $6.50 per share. Uh, And the company's current adjusted price to earnings multiple is around 30 times, but taking into consideration their large net cash balance, uh, they're trading at only 18 times adjusted earnings, which uh, looks pretty good for the growth. Uh, And lastly, uh, an important uh, metric to consider for a gaming company is the monthly active users. Um, And we are still seeing some growth for Huya's monthly active users, increasing 22% uh, quarter over quarter. Uh, But uh, again, growth is slowing here. So now our take. Uh, Being a gamer myself and personally owning a Twitch account, Not that I'm a big uh, streamer by any means, I've got a day job. Uh, I do see the opportunity in the industry as some analysts are expecting the live streaming gaming market to be massive. Uh, But just because someone says a market is going to be massive doesn't mean the company is worth investing in. For example, cannabis stocks, you know, we were just talking about that. Um, So looking, you know, directly at the company, on an ex-cash valuation basis, uh, price-to-earnings valuation basis, Huya is trading at an attractive multiple given its growth, but we are certainly concerned about the political risk the company is faced with given the U.S. clampdown on Chinese-listed stocks. If someone wanted to, ex- if, if someone wanted some exposure to the live streaming gaming industry, it could certainly be a name to invest in, but just due to the company's political risk, it is a name that we refrain from recommending to clients at this time, but we will continue to monitor monitor it um but yeah definitely an interesting name and uh, it was kind of fun to to look into being you know a, a gamer myself yeah we, well we, what ryan and 
Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, well, we, we came across it in our uh, U.S. cash rich report. We're just putting the final touches on now. I mean, it is a company that, you know, there's like Brennan mentioned, tremendous cash balance here. Um, and there is great growth in the business. And, you know, based on projections this year, it looks like it's trading at relatively reasonable numbers. And we, we kind of we're going back and forth on the company with the pros and cons of the business. But we have always, you know, for, for about for over a decade now, looked at Chinese companies and taken the financial statements, just putting it plainly with a grain of salt. Now, the news on the foreign, uh, the holding foreign companies accountability act, in my opinion, is long overdue. Uh, if there is more oversight of these businesses, uh, it, it may be good for these businesses over the long term because we have seen a higher degree of fraud. Uh, in some China-based companies that have listed over on North American exchanges. Uh, in the case of Huya, again, the news there kind of overshadows what on paper is a good quarter. So if we can see some more clarity and trust in these China-listed companies, it may help their valuations over the long term. It still, for us, offers a too high degree of risk at this stage. Uh, in terms of just looking at the financial statements. If we cannot trust everything on those statements, it is very difficult to make an assessment of the business as an investment over the long term. Sorry, Aaron, I cut you off. No, no, that's uh, the, I, I could just add to that. I mean, certainly there's always been a discount applied. The, the market has always applied a discount to companies that are domiciled in China and, and trade in North American exchanges. And this has been the case since... It was 2011, 2012. There was a big, there was a, the, a large number of, of frauds that were discovered. Um, companies that that were operating in China, but trading in North America, raising money in North America, and it, one of the bigger ones was was Sinoforest, multi-billion-dollar fraud. Um, but there was a, there was several smaller ones as well. And at that point, it became very clear that it was. Uh, extremely difficult, if not impossible, for the auditors to monitor the companies over there. So ever since then, we've we've seen a generally seen a big discount on companies that um, that operate in in an emerging market like that, which is which is justified. You know, in, in terms of this stock, it it, it looks interesting. Somebody wanted to take a gamble on it, then potentially. But I mean, it's certainly nothing that I would take a large position on myself. Maybe just a small position as a as a spec buy. Yeah, the streaming space, it interests us. You know, we like companies with cash positions, growing their cash flow, which this company is doing. But, um, you know, it's it's the risk is extremely high. So this would have to be some play money in your portfolio, essentially. Yeah, I just but wanted I, to also, uh, sorry, Ryan, before yeah, you, no, you know, keep again, going. the show. Um, you know, I, I was kind of bringing this up earlier. There's actually a really good documentary on Netflix called The China Hustle. And it just kind of, you know, goes into what Aaron was saying. It kind of brings up some of these companies that uh, were completely fraud, uh, listed on uh, North American exchanges um, or, or, you know, Chinese companies listing on North American exchanges. And, uh, you know, just absolutely Ponzi schemes, defrauding of people of their money, you know, just the mom and pop investors of their hard earned money. Um, and actually in the documentary, a group of like or a team goes over there and actually analyzes, you know, they, they actually set up their car out front of one of these factories that was supposedly doing, you know, millions and millions of dollars in revenue. And all day long, you know, one truck came through the gate. Uh, and I guess actually analyzing, you know, companies in uh, in China like that is, is illegal. And 
anyways, that that's a whole different uh, you know rabbit hole to go down. But uh, but yes, if anyone's interested, I, I do. I thought it was a great documentary. Uh, again, it's called The China Hustle, and it's on Netflix. Uh, and yeah, it's really enlightening and and opened my eyes to uh, you, you know what what can happen in the financial markets and what you you know you have to be wary about. Yeah, it certainly adds a, a high layer of risk that uh, for our clients, we just haven't been willing to take on. Uh, there's some people that want to speculate. That's fine. For us, uh, even if the numbers have looked good, there's just been, uh, like Aaron said, we can't, we don't have confidence in the ability of the accounting firms to check basic things like even a cash balance in a business. If we could get that, you know, and, and see a long-term track record of that, then, you know, you would have a higher degree of confidence investing in these type of businesses. So I think that's going to close out our show for this week. We're happy to be back and uh, are, again, announcing our live upcoming crisis portfolio building webinars. Uh, we're looking at June 2nd, June 9th, and June 16th, 7 o'clock, uh, in local time zones in those regions. Uh, everybody would love to have you attend those. So come out, you can buy the tickets at uh, www.keystocks.com. Click on myself and Aaron's ugly mugs on the front of the website and you can uh, you can buy those tickets right away. And I have to compliment you on your hoo-ya, do-ya um, uh, humor there. It was just absolutely hilarious there, Brennan. Thank you for that. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much for that. Bringing so much to the podcast again. Thank you. Everybody, profitable investing out there, and everybody stay safe. Profitable investing. Thank you, everybody.